Accepting that there are always obstacles in whatever pursuit we undertake, and more nobler pursuits, more obstacles are likely to come. And therefore, the aspirants or the seekers find that there are obstacles. Obstacles can be from three sources, as you know, adhyatma, adhihuta, adhidaiva. There can be obstacles arising from my own self, from my own body and mind. Obstacles can arise from the elemental world around myself and obstacles also can arise from what we call the divine plane. So, thus, there are obstacles, that's the reality of life. Here Lord Krishna says that not to, uh, be, not to surrender to the obstacles, <coughs> not to give the pursuit which I have taken up and thus remaining firm in my commitment, the steadfastness to the, the pursuit that I have. Of course, it requires a conviction that this is what is right thing for me, that this is the most valuable thing for me. So, pursuit of knowledge. Basically, as I said, what I am seeking in my life is moksha, a clarity. 
Moksha is Prapthasya Prapthi, achievement of what is already achieved, owning up my own self, which requires that I should know myself as I am, which requires that the ignorance should go, which requires that I should listen to the scriptures and pursuit of knowledge, which requires that I should have a mind which is prepared for that knowledge, which requires that I should have a way of life which is, which becomes a process of progressively purification of my mind. That my life is a yoga, life of yoga, which means which is a process by which brings about progressively the purification of mind. And this prepares the mind for grasping and retaining and abiding in the knowledge. So when there is this clarity that life is, there is a way of life and there is a view of life and thus pursuit of knowledge as well as pursuing a certain way of life, once this clarity is there, Lord Krishna says that let there be steadfastness in this clarity. Shuddhavan Labhate Jnanam Tat Paraha Sanyatendriya in the fourth chapter, Lord Krishna says, Shraddhavan Labhate Jnanam. One who is Shraddha of the trust, he gains the knowledge. But merely Shraddha or the faith of the trust is not enough. Tat Paraha, Tat Paraha, a commitment must be there. And that commitment is possible when Sanyata Indriya, there is the control of the self. So that commitment is required. And on the face of the obstacles, not surrendering to the obstacles or not giving up the pursuit because of their obstacles are there, and continuing, this is called stadium steadfastness. <coughs> sometimes there is illness in the body, sometimes the mind, there is, the mind does not support me, sometimes there is laziness, sometimes there are doubts, sometimes there is dullness. These things happen. So, uh, mind being what it is, sometimes it just becomes dull. I mean, sometimes it can't grasp anything, sometimes it can't retain anything. Sometimes I'm afraid. I don't think I can learn Sanskrit. Swami, this is very difficult. The scriptures are very difficult. Sanskrit is very difficult. And so, not falling for this kind of thoughts. Nothing is difficult. Self cannot be difficult because it is my own self. And moksha, the liberation, is my birthright because it is my nature. And, oh, but how can knowledge take place? They say the self is beyond the mind and beyond this. Self is what? How can you experience the self? How can there be knowledge of the knower? How can there be no knowledge of the self? These questions are asked. Our answer is very simple, that right now also you have the knowledge of the self. Don't I know myself? Don't? I know myself as a jivat knowledge, but I do know myself. How do I know? Do I have to contemplate upon? What do I, what do I require to know myself? In short, there is no effort required to know myself. Meaning that, the, the self is always self-effulgent and that is always known. All that is needed to do is to remove the, the misconception about myself. That's all it is. It is not that I have to create the knowledge of the self, understand? This knowledge of the self is always there. Without that nothing happens. Self being self-effulgent, therefore the self is always known. The I is always known. Swami, how can you say, how do you prove consciousness? Any proof comes when consciousness is there to begin with. Any proof or any process comes when the I is there to begin with. Do I not know that I am? Yes, that I know. How do I know? Do I have to touch myself that I am or see myself or hear myself or think? I don't. All of these things can happen provided I am there to begin with. And they will, don't worry about these complicated thoughts about knowing the self and beyond something. Self is always known. All we need to do is to correct that knowledge. 
In that knowledge there is the true asp element and there is a false element. Recognize the false element as false element and then remove that. That is all that is required. And so it is not that you create the self-knowledge. It is not that you make Brahman as myself. Brahman happens to be myself. I don't have to make it that way. And so recognizing this, always reminding yourself there is no reason why I should not know this. There is no reason because there is no reason why I cannot, you know, achieve this. And thus, uh, reminding of oneself and thus steadfastly proceeding with this. So Lord Krishna says, steadfastness, also a commitment also is an important value. Because sometimes we say, our own mind creates difficulties. And therefore, not falling for its difficulties. Again, a lifting of the mind from sometimes of disappointments or dejection, and again putting it back on the track. So that also is required. Sairyam. <coughs> Atma Vinigraha, self-control, another value is self-control. So, uh, a discipline in the life, control of the self meaning control of my mind. Then there is always a tendency to fall for temptations. There is a tendency sometimes to take the easy way out. There is a tendency to take the shortcuts. That tendency is there. There is a tendency to avoid pain or avoid trouble. And so, not falling for that tendency. If, you know, taking the right path, even though it may be a little painful, but then a commitment to do that. And self-control meaning, always being alert, being always aware of, I mean, vigilant about myself, and doing the right thing. Doing that which I believe is the right. To do that is a self-control. Yesterday only we gave the example or how the ice cream comes in front of me and I lose my control. So temptation is one of those things which actually makes me deviate from my control. And so not falling for various temptations. Temptations are always there in my senses for pleasurable objects. Temptations are there in my mind for emotional pleasure. Temptations are there in my intellect also because at every level the mind is seeking pleasure. So there are temptations for seeking pleasure. There is nothing wrong in seeking pleasure, but if it is, if it contradicts what it is that I am seeking, then I should be able to withdraw. <coughs> and so, I set boundaries for myself. As Lord Krishna says, Yukta har viharasya, Yukta jeshtasya karmasu, Yukta svapnavodhasya, Yogo bhavat lukha. In ahara and vihara, in food and recreation. Yukta jeshtasya karmasu, in whatever activities I perform, in sleep, in waking up, in everywhere, there must be moderation. There must be a sense of proportion. There must be moderation. Sleep is fine, this much. Television is fine, this much. Ice cream is fine, this much. Candies are fine, this much. What I may allow a certain amount of indulgence to myself, let us say. But there also, the limits or boundaries are there. And therefore, basically a discipline setting the limits or the boundaries. Because if we don't do that, then mind has a tendency to slip. And soon before I realize, I, you know, I, it just becomes a habit and it becomes very difficult to overcome that. And so, Lord, Lord Krishna says, self-discipline. In Vedanta we call it Dhamma. Dhamma means Indriya Nigraha, the control over my sense organs. Control over the organs of perception and control over organs of action. Level of organs of action, I perform a variety of activities with vigilance or alertness. 
like in my speech also alertness in the gestures of my hands and so forth in alertness whatever activity i perform in alertness <coughs> what is alertness somebody was asking me swamiji what is this austerity of the speech the 17th chapter of the gita lord krishna talks about the austerity of the speech and the control over the speech or the tapasya arya you know performing austerities at the level of speech and lord krishna describes it like this anudvega karam vakyam satyam priya hitam chayat swadhyaya bhasanam chayva vangmayam tapah uchyate this is called the vangmayam tapah the austerity at the level of speech where anudvega karam my vakya all these sentences that i speak the words that i use anudvega karam that they do not create udvega they do not hurt anybody or disturb anybody satyam what i speak is truthful priyam the truth also is spoken in a manner which is pleasant hitam and it is spoken only when it serves a purpose it is beneficial so austerity is a level of speech that i speak truth and truth also is spoken in a manner which is pleasant and then also it is spoken provided it is beneficial for service purpose otherwise i do not speak so swami then all my social contacts and what will happen you know i do not know what will happen but anyway <laughs> if those things also are coming in the way of what it is that i am seeking i guess they have to drop if what is required unnecessary talking and unnecessary doing things that is what is required for me to main that means that it 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 contradicts my pursuit it contradicts you know what it is that i am seeking in my life that's called the sanyasa renunciation renunciation of that which is not useful or renunciation of that which comes in the way of my pursuit we always have the renunciation do we not have when you are driving from your destination to this place there is renunciation there is a map and you are drawn that path and that is the course that, that you take and then you don't get distracted No, no, there is a very nice park here. That's okay. We have no time. There's a nice little lake here. That's good. There's ocean very close by. There can be many attractions and temptations, but then we go straight. That's called renunciation. Those temptations are there, but we know that this is where we have to reach. And so, when the goal is very clear, we are able to overcome these temptations and remain on the the track that we have chosen for ourselves. So, this is called Atma Nirgraha. self control <coughs> going to the eighth verse indriya arthesu vairagyam the renunciation of sense objects vairagya is translated as renunciation which is a very heavy word you know renunciation renunciation of sense objects and so the general uh, conclusion the part of listener is swami ji the other day you were saying you know that we should give up our desires this is a question they ask swami you say that we should give up our desires i said i never said that you know but they assume that this is what swami ji will say anyway and so but vairagya should be understood as freedom from raga and dvesha this is what literally vairagya means viraga se bhavah vairagya viraga means uh, where raga has gone away and vairagya means a state of mind that is free from raga or attachment and where attachment is there dvesha aversion also is going to be there 
when I am attached, when I have attachment for something, then anything that comes in the way of that becomes all an object of aversion. So attachment and aversion. I like something, and somebody comes in the way of my enjoyment. Sometimes it happens, you know, on the dining table itself this happens. That this poor man, he wants to eat something, you know, and then the police is sitting there, the wife is sitting there, anybody is sitting there, you know. Says, no, doctor has said no, you know, it's taken away. Or, is, is, you know, this fellow is not allowed. At that time, what happens is called duration. Because I have love for ice cream and I'm not allowed. So whatever becomes an obstacle to enjoyment of what I like becomes an object of aversion. So where attachment is there, aversion is bound to be there. And aversion is there because someplace the attachment is there. So this attachment and aversion, Radha and Dvesha are like the two sides of the coin and they always go together. So Vairagya also should mean Vaidvesha, freedom from Radha as well as freedom from Dvesha. In short, Vairagya means freedom from Radha Dvesha with reference to the sense object. <coughs> or the freedom from attachment with reference to the sense pleasures. Well, that is true. That we have to uh, slowly and slowly become free from our fascination for the sense pleasures. That is true. Because we said yesterday, in order to know the self, see, in the, these are all values which are prescribed in the in in the context of self knowledge. For self knowledge, the mind is the means of knowing the self, and for knowing the self, mind, which is the means, must be directed in the direction where the self is. As we said yesterday, that if you want to see an object which is far away, you need a telescope then first of all we must direct the telescope in the direction where the object is. Like standing on a lookout point and you want to see a faraway object, some very beautiful church or something is there and you want to see that and so you must direct your telescope in the direction where the object is and you must also tune up the telescope. And so also if the self is to be known then the mind which is a means of knowing the self must be directed where the self is and must be tuned up to the self. So as long as mind is directed outward, naturally it cannot, it is not, it is not fit to know the self, which is inward. And therefore, making the mind what we call introvert, making the mind abiding, thus withdrawing the mind from its preoccupation with sense pleasures, this is also required. Withdrawing the mind from preoccupation with sense pleasures. <coughs> Otherwise, even when I am performing meditation also, my mind is thinking, oh, today is Thursday, we are going to make idlis today, you know, I'm like, sometimes the previous evening you find out what's going to be there in the morning breakfast, you know, and so while I am meditating, the mind might think of the idlis which I am going to have in the breakfast, and that's what the mind may think. Or whatever it is, so mind has a tendency always to think about that to which it is attached, or that for which it is aversion. The reason why the Vedantins always talk about Raga and Dvesha is, this Raga and Dvesha, or attachment and aversion, both of them pull away my mind from myself. When my mind is attached to something, it will think about that. When it hates something, then also it will think about that. So attraction and hatred, both of these pull my mind away from myself. And therefore, if I want that, the mind should remain focused upon myself, 
he should be free from this attraction and hatred. So here Lord Krishna specifically talks about making the mind free from these attraction and hatred towards sense objects. Lord Krishna says in the fifth chapter, Yehi samsparshaja bhogaha dukhayo na evate adyantavantah saunte nateshu ramate budaha. Here Arjuna understands that the pleasure that comes from the sense objects by contact with the sense organs. So when the sense organ and the sense object contact each other, the pleasure that comes is in fact the source of all the pain. And thus let the mind reflect upon the pain that is involved in the sense pleasures. Let the mind reflect upon the cost that it has to pay in order to gain any kind of a sense pleasure. And let it recognize that the loss is much more than the gain. And when the mind sees that, slowly and slowly it will become free from that attachment. So, Dosha Darshanam. The Vedantins recommend this method called Dosha Darshanam. Seeing the defect or seeing the pain, seeing the price that is involved in enjoying any pleasure. That there is pain involved in acquiring the object. There is pain involved when there is separation from the object. There is pain involved in retaining the object also. And thus pain is involved at every stage. When we make the mind free, the pain that is involved, the cost that is involved, then the mind will become free from this attachment and fascination, which is there because it is not given a thought to these things. And so, Indriya Seshuvaya again by Dosadasanam. As Vedic Churamai says, Viradya Vishavratat Dosadrushtya Mahurmuhu. Again and again, let the mind see the dosha. Every time mind runs, let the mind, you make the mind see all the pain that is involved there, the price that you have to pay, and what it is that you are deprived of. And that's how bring the mind back. So this is the process of Indriya Seshuvayaragyam, detachment from the, let us say, detachment from the sense objects, or sense pleasures. Understand that Vedanta does not say that we should run away from sense objects that we should never enjoy anything. In fact, as Ishavasi Upanishad will say, tena taktena bhunjitaha, may you enjoy things, but with detachment. So, let there be detachment and you enjoy the things. In short, Vedanta teaches us really how to enjoy the things, but we think that we can enjoy something only when there is an attachment. Not so. Contact everything free from attachment and aversion, and then you will be able to really See the thing for what it is. <coughs> Anahankara, absence of egoism. So, absence of egoism. It's not, not much different from absence of pride, you know. So, egoism. This thought that I have achieved something. Taking credit or the blame for doing something. What egoism is here? That taking credit. So, when I am successful, taking the credit, congratulating myself for the success. Am I a failure? Condemning myself for the failure. So that which results into congratulating myself and condemning myself is called ego. Lord Krishna says, Anahankara. Understand that you are not doing anything. Then who is doing everything? It is God that is doing everything. Understand that you are just an instrument. And it is He who is doing it through you. And therefore, you need not take the credit for success, nor need you take the blame for the failure. Do not have, of course I have a sense of doership, but at the same time, I do not need 
you know, I don't, should not have a strong sense of doership that I am the doer. Because ultimately, Lord is the doer. As in the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna showed to Arjuna. When he showed his cosmic form, Arjuna saw how the soldiers of both the armies were entering the, the mount of the Lord, entering the jaws of death. Arjuna was really frightened, seeing these people all already dying. And so he asked Lord Krishna, how come you have presented yourself before me in such frightening form? Then Lord Krishna says that, yes, I am the very Kalaha, I am the very death, and I have come here to destroy or to devour all the people, all the soldiers standing in both the armies. Arjuna, whether you fight or not, none of, nobody, nobody is going to be saved here. Meaning, I've already done the job. I've already killed them. And therefore, you just do your duty. But the work is already done by me. Meaning, thereby that, he is the one that does. And so, recognizing that, I am just an instrument. If I am successful, give credit to him. If I am failure, give blame also to him if you want to. And remain free from blaming oneself or congratulating oneself. Again, it is nothing but humility, recognizing the reality of life, recognizing that I am an instrument. In fact, so Lord Krishna says, Nimitta matram bhavasavyasachin. Here, Arjuna, may you become Nimitta, may you become an instrument. May you recognize that you are an instrument. <coughs> so this is absence of egoism, anahankara. Janmimrutti jaravyari dukkhadushangdashanam Reflection on the problems of birth, death, old age, sickness and pain. So Lord Krishna says that reflect upon the fact that there is a lot of pain in this life. So that there is a vairagya. Some people say I want to be born again and again, you know, some people say. Not recognizing me that birth means pain. There is pain in the birth and there is pain in the death and there is pain in disease, there is pain in old age and so on and so forth. So, Lord Krishna says, Anudasanam, reflecting again and again on this pain that is involved in the life. So that there is viragya, there is a dispassion or a detachment from this, this kind of a life and becoming free from this process of pain. So that is also a value that is recommended here. <coughs> Then continuing, asaktihi anabhishvangaha putradharadruha asaktihi Absence of ownership, anadharya. Absence of egoism, here Lord Krishna says, absence of ownership. Ownership also becomes a, a cause of stress. When I own something, there is always a cause of stress. When I do not own something, there is no stress. When I do something, then also cause of stress. When I do not do something, there is no stress. Doing is still not doing. See, the example is, sometimes, you know, I mean, we have what we call cooks in India, you know. So people employ cooks. So cook, cooks the food in the kitchen. But usually the lady of the house always remains present there. She looks over the shoulder of the cook and then supervises what he does. I mean, the critical time comes of adding spices and things. says, let me do that. You don't do this. And so she will add the spices in. 
And then when uh, we hit the floor, I said, what is this? Maharaj, we call Maharaj, Kuk the Maharaj, you know, in, in Gujarat, the cook is called Maharaj. This was interesting. When Swami was visiting Gujarat, you know, then we were all sitting on the dining table and somebody said, Maharaj, come here. So Swami said, is calling me or what? Because Swami also is called Maharaj. Swami also is called Maharaj, the cook also is called Maharaj. Maharaj is the general term used for a Brahmana, you know. So that Panditji also is called Maharaj, Cook also usually Brahmin, so he is also called Maharaj. So I tell Maharaj, Maharaj, what have you done? How much salt is that? So Swamiji, I haven't done it. The spices are added by her. No stress, you see, because he is no egoism. The thing is, he is the instrument. The, that is, what is done is done by somebody, he is an instrument. This is how it is in fact. This is how real it is. That we are instrument and the one who does is him. He means the karta. The karta means the doer. He is a real doer and we are instruments in the hand. Similarly, he is a real owner also again. And we are simply the trustee. So next value is asaktihi, lack of sense, absence of ownership. Recognizing that the ownership also is just a notion. That I possess, I own this is a notion. There is no such thing as ownership. All there is is something that I possess, but nothing that I own. <coughs> you know Swami's famous story of his apartment, of his flat in Bombay. One is invited, you know, many years ago. Well, I think in the beginning he must have come to Bombay. And Swami was invited for bhiksha by one of the devotees. And Swami was taken to a big apart flat, apartment building in Sion. And so when the taxi, you know, when Swami got down, said, Swami, I stay here. What? Is this a big, huge building? This is your building? No, no, Swamiji, I have a flat. And so they went to the fourth floor. The whole floor is yours? No, Swamiji, one of the flats is mine. So he's going to the flat. And then Swami is made to sit. This person goes inside and I think must be making preparations for tea and so forth. And this Swami is thinking, you know, and then he comes out and says, this is whose flat? This is my flat, Swamiji. Oh, my ceiling. Is the ceiling yours? Swamiji, then I cannot say because my ceiling is the floor of the fellow living upstairs. So I can't say the ceiling is mine. Is this floor yours? Swami, I cannot say the floor is mine because my floor is his ceiling. Is this wall yours? Swamiji, the right hand side wall is the left side wall of the flat on the side. So I can't say this is mine. Is this left side wall yours? Well, that was I cannot say because that's the right side wall of the fellow living on the adjoining flat. Then what is yours, you know? The space is yours, that's about all. And that's, this is just an example that Swami often quotes to show how the ownership is just a notion, nothing more than that. But it is true also that that ownership really, because the thing doesn't really own me. I mean, if it, they say if you own up the thing then it's fine. I call myself the owner of my thing. I, I mean I'm very proud of my car and I'm the, I'm the owner of the car and everything else. You park the car in the streets of New York City and I mean 15 minutes you come back from the store itself and it's gone. And at that time the car does not protest at all. It is, I don't belong to you, I belong to the Swami, you know. The car doesn't call me his, you know, or hers. 
and so this ownership is just a one-way street is merely a notion in my mind and so this is freedom from ownership absence of ownership they say that this fellow he built the house and he got built inside <laughs> he, he constructed the house and he got bound by the house as long as he did not have a house he was living in a flat so very easy nothing to worry about once the house is built then he stopped coming to the evening classes so what happened Swami, now there is nobody to take care of the house. I must look after the house. And thus, anyway, not that the ownership is going to go away just like that. But the idea is that, asaktihi, send as much as freedom, as much freedom as we can gain from the strong sense of ownership. <coughs> asaktihi. They give an example that the relationship that we should have with the house and things, you know, in that which we are using is a kind of relationship that we have when we are visiting somebody. So when I am a guest at somebody's house, there also the bedroom is there and the furniture is there, everything is there. And what kind of relationship do I have? I use them, I enjoy them all, but I am not their owner. And similarly also, in what I call my house, I can use it, I can enjoy it without necessarily claiming the ownership of that. So this is what is meant by asaktihi, absence of ownership. Swami, what does this have to do with knowledge anyway? Because ownership means it always occupies my mind. I'm always worried about things, you know. Is it not so? We are worried even while meditating these things come. Wait a minute, you know. Uh, the furniture uh, bothers me sometimes. A new piece of furniture, my new television set, some new carpet that I have, or whatever it is. These things occupy my mind because they are mine. See, when I am visiting somebody's home, there I meditate, I never think of anything there, you know. Their furniture, their house, their bedroom, nothing ever occupies my mind because they are not mine. Moment I come there to my house and all of these things start bothering me because they are mine. So that's so that mamatva, the sense of ownership also, is something that distracts my mind. Idea is that all those things that are potentially, that can create distraction in my mind, all of these are referred to here. So that my mind remains free from all distractions and that it can abide in this knowledge that I am Brahman. To get an abiding mind, even when I gain the knowledge, it is necessary that I should abide and therefore my mind must be free from all distractions. So all possible social distractions are identified by Lord Krishna and says this ownership also can create a worry or anxiety and a distraction in the mind. Or even if I am not anxious, I am very fond. I like to think. A new plant that I brought, a new little aquarium that there is, and I instead of thinking Aham Brahmasmi, I think of those fish and things like that, you know. Or some plant, something I may have planted in my garden, and you know, oh Swamiji, every day a new shoot is coming. That's where my mind thinks. So idea is that my mind may think of these things which I possess. So things that I possess, I own. They can become the objects of my thought and thus distract me from what it is that I want to apply my mind to. Therefore, absence of ownership. Anabhishvangaha, Uttradhar, Gruhadishu, absence of excessive affection regarding son, wife and house. Son, wife and house means the son, husband and household, both ways, you know. So, it should be understood. Since this is being told to Arjuna, therefore it is son, wife. Otherwise, so, it's those who are very close. Now, thing is that, 
Lord Krishna specifically mentions it. Although it is said asaktihi, meaning absence of attachment or absence of ownership. But Lord Krishna accepts that my relation with my relation with the spouse or my son cannot be similar to my relation with my piece of furniture. So a piece of furniture, there is a detachment. With my son or my child, it cannot be. There has to be some attachment. He recognizes that when it comes to people who are close to us, there has to be and there is going to be a relationship of attachment. Because without attachment, you cannot really put yourself, pour your heart into taking care of themselves and looking after them. And so, that I am required to take care of those who are very closely related to me. And therefore, that care must be there. That much amount of attachment should be there. As far as the close family is concerned, those who are related to me closely are concerned, there has to be some attachment. Without attachment, nothing works. But I, therefore, Lord Krishna says, absence of excessive attachment. What is excessive attachment? Identifying. My, my son is fall sick, I fall sick. He succeeds, I succeed. He fails, I fail. So, putre pushte, aham pushtaha. Putre naste, aham naste. When my son is pushtaha, when he is healthy and successful, I feel successful. When he fails, I feel a failure. And this excessive identification with those who are closely related to me, Lord Krishna says, a freedom from them. And therefore this is translated as dispassionate caring. This value is translated as dispassionate caring. That I care for all those who are closely related to me. But dispassionately. Let's say non-demanding relationship. That I take care of them. I, I look after them, take care of them, do whatever is necessary for me to do without as best as possible making demands upon them that they should also return the favor. And therefore, in a dispassionate caring or a non-demanding relationship with those with whom I am closely associated. <coughs> I mean, if we don't pay attention to this, in our mind the demands always build up. When I am raising my children, in my mind automatically an expectation comes that now when they are young, I am taking care of them. When I grow old, they will take care of me. This is natural. So our mind being what it is, when it does something, there is an expectation of return of the favor. So Lord Krishna says, you do what you need to do for them without demanding any kind of return of favor from them. So enjoy the process of caring without expectation of what they should do in return. This is called dispassionate caring. So you take care of them, you love them, let there be relationship of love, but let there be minimum or no demands of the return. <coughs> so this is the Anabhishvangaha, absence of excessive affection. So what does it have to do with knowledge? Again, when excessive affection is there, as I said, it will occupy my mind. So here I am doing my japa, when my son is not returned from school, it's already five, 5 o'clock, he returns every day at 4.55, it's only 5 o'clock, 5 minutes after 5, 10 minutes after 5. And naturally, therefore, it occupies my mind. So this kind of things, this kind of excessive attachment or identification occupy my mind. 
parents always keep worrying mothers feel that more they worry about the children more they love them you know and thus this is how uh, as we say the trick here is that the art is that how i can care for them and still how i can may, i my mind can be free from worries and anxieties about them you know that i my mind should be available to me for what i want to do if i want to do japa if i want to do meditation if i want to study whatever it is that i want to do that my mind should be available to me and that is what is meant here by saying absence of excessive attachment then nityam cha samachittatvam ishta nishto patishu even as to the mind regarding the gain and the desirable and the undesirable so an important value even as to the mind samachittatvam evenness of the mind and this is explained as what we call prasada buddhi with which we are all familiar prasada buddhi evenness of the mind keeping the mind even prasada buddhi because we are confronted all the time with situations that are favorable and unfavorable towards favorable situation i react with elation to unfavorable situations i react with aversion So Ragad Dvesas, which are there within me, they are always invoked by the situations favorable and unfavorable. Samachittatvam, evenness of the mind. Accepting that in the stride. Favorable thing, also fine. Thank you, God. Unfavorable, also thank you. So for what has been, thank you. For what will be, yes. It means for whatever has been, thank you. for whatever will be just that this the idea is that i sub, i submit my will and the in the will of the lord whatever is that he does is all acceptable to me whatever favorable thing he gives is all right unfavorable that is all right this giving this benefit of doubt to the lord and accepting whatever situations come as nothing but gift of the lord <coughs> this is what is called prasad buddhi that helps me to maintain the evenness of the mind you know the example given to explain this prasad buddhi is in india or even here also typically when a when a wedding reception takes place in india there are five 1500 people 2000 people 4000 people you know so many people are are you know so many guests are there Here also there are four hundred, five hundred, six hundred guests, and there is a big hall, and the bride and the groom are seated here on a special platform on a special seat, and the guests come in and they give offer their gift and shake hand and wish them well, and then go for ice cream and so forth, whatever it is. And at the gate, then you have one or two persons who are stationed there to receive the guests, and the way to receive is when the guest comes, then offer them a smile. There is a uh, a flower, you know, which also is offered them. And in India, they used to be rose water, you know, and so sprinkle rose water. So as the guest comes, smile, give the flower, sprinkle rose water. When the guest comes, smile, sprinkle rose water, give a flower. This is what is done. He is a representative of the bride and the groom, and thus he receives everybody one after the other. Naturally, hundreds of people are coming. There are some he does not know, but there are many whom he knows. There are many who are his friends, 
and there are some who may not be his friends. There are some who like him. There are, there are some who do not like him. There are some who he likes. There are some who he hates. All these people come. If he were to invite them, he would not invite all these fellows, of course. But after all, they are all invited by the bride and the groom. So here he represents the bride and the groom. So whoever comes, he is welcomed with a smile and sprinkling of rose water and a flower. Whether you like it or do not like it. Otherwise what happens? If the fellow comes here whom you, whom you hate, you do not like, you don't turn your face away. <laughs> you welcome him also. And it is difficult. You have to somehow bring your smile on your face. Somehow make your hand, you know, to offer the flower. Somehow you sprinkle. Possible that will you sprinkle more or something like that. Possible something may happen. Or you may discover that the smile is a fabricated smile. It's possible, but at least you try. And when someone whom you like comes, there is a tendency to how are you and what happened, etc. But then you have to let it go because other fellows are coming at the back. And therefore, so favorable also, you treat it. Unfavorable also, you treat it fully. This is how the circumstances keep on coming to us. Some favorable, some unfavorable. With a smile, sprinkling rose water and giving a flower, meaning welcoming everybody. Welcoming every situation as it comes, because it is sent to us by the Lord. And whatever it sends us is called prasada. And therefore, accepting everything as a prasada or a gift of the Lord. So prasada buddhi is the not easy at all, as I said. Not easy to receive things that are unfavorable. Not easy to receive things that are painful. Not easy. None of these values is easy. Some are more difficult than others. And this is also a fairly difficult value. But reminding of myself that ultimately my pursuit is that of knowledge and knowledge is possible when I enjoy the evenness of the mind and therefore this becomes a value Maicha Ananya Yogena Bhaktihi Avyavicharani Unswerving devotion to me that is not connected to anything else so Lord Krishna prescribes Bhakti understand the Vedantins also talk of Bhakti so people think that Vedanta means the path of knowledge, nothing to do with bhakti. And bhaktas would think that there was nothing to do with knowledge. But in fact, we cannot separate these things. I happen to have a heart where I feel, I have an intellect with which I think, and I have hands and legs with which I work. And so what Lord Krishna wants is, all of these should be offered to him. Manmanabhava, madbhaktaha, madhyaji, maam namaskuru. Mame Vaishyati Yuktvayam Atmanam Matparayanaha Manmanabhava Arjuna, give your mind to me. That is, with your mind, may you think of me. Madhbhattaha, you become my devotee. With your heart, you love me. Madhyaji, with your hands and legs, you perform action for me. Maam Namaskaru, and thus all the time, may you always salute, may you always surrender to me. So this Lord Krishna says, let me the whole being. Sarvabhavena maam bhajati, with my ho- with the whole being, may you may be devoted to me. So Ananda Yogena, Abhyavicharani Bhaktihi, this worship to the Lord, surrender to the Lord also, is an extremely important value. 
Vittadeshasevitvam Aratihi Janasamsadi Disposition of repairing to a quiet place So love for solitude or seeking solitude for a period of time So solitude, being by myself Lord Krishna says developing also a love for solitude because contemplation of ourselves requires that I should be by myself If we cannot just retire to solitude place, every day we should set aside some time when I retire and when I am with myself. Lord Krishna says that have a value of being with yourself. He also will say that choose a place where the place is free from disturbance. Choose a place which is clean and pure and choose a time when also the disturbances are not there. So that you can contemplate upon your own self. Yogi Jungita Sadam Atmanam Rahasistitaha. Remaining in quiet place and remaining uh, in solitude. May this yogi, may the aspirant focus his mind upon the self. So in short, this is also value that every day we should have time to ourselves. An appointment with myself. Whatever it is that I have studied. Whatever it is that I know, a process of getting a clarity, a process of assimilation. So, what we call introspection also. That I spend some time every day introspecting. So, these are my values. Where do I stand? In the evening, introspection. What did I do during the day? How was, was I able to follow my values? Where did I deviate? Where did I not succeed? Where did I succeed? That's reviewing my performance and again educating the mind for the next day. So a time for introspection, a time for myself, an appointment with myself. This is also important. Aratihi Janasan Samsadi, no longing for the company of people. Freedom from longing of the company of the people. That Shankaraja says that a value for staying away from the people who can create a negative or a damaging influence upon me. Stay away from those people. Stay away from the company of the people who could create a negative influence on me. There are people because we have not yet gained that kind of a steadiness, you know. We have not gained that kind of a clarity. We may not have gained that kind of a commitment. It is possible that our mind can be influenced or impacted by that. What does your Swamiji say? You mean God, you are God? That's what he says? Yes, that's what Swamiji said. You are God? Do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know. How can I say you are God? So the people can ask two, three questions and shake up completely, you know. Whatever understanding I have can be shaken up because I still don't have that clarity. Sometimes you don't have the arguments also. And so, those who don't have Shraddha, so always seek the company of those who can only strengthen our trust, our devotion, our commitment. Seek the company of those who will strengthen or, you know, the, uh, encourage my trust, my devotion and my commitment and stay away from those who may create a disturbance in this or who may attack these things. 
So this is also important. What company we keep also is very important. So Lord Krishna says, keep the right company and avoid the undesirable company. Someday you may gain that kind of a steadiness of the mind, that company does not matter to you. But you influence others. Okay. As long as I am subject to being influenced by others, so long I choose my influence. A day will come when I influence others, then you can turn them around. That you can do. But as long as I am subject to being turned around, then so long I am always careful of the company that I choose. <coughs> and finally, Adhyatma Jnanityatvam Tattva Jnana Sadarshanam Always dwelling upon the knowledge centered on the self. Adhyatma Jnana Nityatvam So, Nityatvam, always commitment to the pursuit of this knowledge. That means that devotion to the pursuit of this knowledge. A life dedicated to the pursuit of knowledge. Which means renunciation, really. This value actually means sannyasa or renunciation, if you look at it literally. Adhyatma Jnana Nityatvam all the time pursuing the knowledge. Now, who can do that? What do I do, Swami, you are pursuing knowledge? Atma vara drashtavya hai, shrutavya hai, vantavya hai, vidhyasitavya hai. Hey, Maitre, if you want to know the self, then Atma, the self, must be listened to. Listen to the self from the teacher. Vantavya hai, reflect upon what it is that you listen to. Vidhyasitavya hai. Deeply contemplate upon that which you understood to assimilate. Now, this is a full time project. Understand that pursuing knowledge by itself is a full time project. Lord Krishna says, Gnana Yogena Sankhyanam. For those who are Sankhyas or renunciates, for them the pursuit of knowledge. By way of Shravanam, Mananam, Vidhyasaram. Listening, reflection, and deep contemplation. <coughs> Swami, that cannot be done. What can we do? Adhyatma jnana nityatvam. Do I, should I go to work or not? All my responsibilities and therefore this value cannot be literally followed by most people. Doesn't matter. Adhyatma jnana nityatvam. But at least, as I said, I have a commitment to the pursuit of knowledge. I, at least I can make my life a process of pursuit of knowledge. Follow these values because these values themselves are called the knowledge. Let there be a life of karma yoga. Let my karma or actions also be performed in the spirit of yoga. And therefore, let my life become a process of pursuing the knowledge, of gaining moksha through the pursuit of knowledge. And so, whatever kind of life we are leading, we make that life a process of ultimate goal. Keeping the end in mind, let the life become a process of reaching that end. In whatever station of life you are in, so, but Swamiji, is it necessary that we should become renunciate to get the knowledge? Answer is yes. But renunciation need not be in terms of way of life. Renunciation definitely in terms of the disposition of mind. That is required. And so, that is what is, and when that frame of mind is there, then the only thing that the mind wants to do is only this. Let a time should come when all I want to do is this. I want to study Bhagavad Gita, I want to discuss about that. Listen to the tapes, write my notes, think about it, meditate, do my japa. A day comes slowly, time comes for everybody, no? As you go along with this, uh, you find yourself that your interest in other things becomes less and less, and your interest in this thing grows more and more, and therefore people say, Swami, I want to retire now. 
Why? Because now I, uh, I'm not interested in my activities. I'm more interested in this. Because once I listen to tapes, Swami, I just become... I got so much influenced by that, I don't want to do anything else. I just want to keep on listening and listening. But I must unfortunately go to work, and I must do this. And then, when you find that your duty, I mean, meaning that your activities come in the way of pursuit of the knowledge, then you know that you are ready for retirement. When the mind can completely enjoy this, it can be remain absorbed in this, then you know that one mind is ready for that. But we should work for that kind of mind that slowly it won't, this becomes, gains a greater and greater priority. Adhyatma Jnana Nityatva means this is the only priority. That will happen someday. But that its priority should keep on growing. Tattva Jnana Darshanam and keeping in view the purpose of knowledge of the truth that in order to encourage ourselves all the time let, let us remind ourselves as to what is the gain by pursuit of knowledge. Moksha is the gain. Tardeshokam, Atmavit, the knower of the self, crosses the ocean of grief. Grief. Brahmavit, Atmavadiparam, the knower of Brahman attains a limitless. So, I remind myself that this, the, the gain by this knowledge is infinite. The loss due to ignorance is also infinite, and the gain by the knowledge also is infinite. And that's how my mind is encouraged. Because as you said, following these values is not easy. <coughs> there will be some incentive. And so I all the time remind my mind of the gain. What is it? The limitless is the gain by the knowledge. And so whatever it is that I should undergo is quite worthwhile. So Lord Krishna says, Tattva Jnana Sudarshanam. All the time keeping in mind the artha, the prayajanam, the purpose that is served by the knowledge, namely moksha. Swamiji, how do I get moksha? By recognizing that I am already mukta, I am already liberated. How do I recognize that? How do I recognize that I am already liberated? Just focus attention on your own self and see that you are already liberated. How do I focus attention on myself? Well, let the mind become focused upon the self. Let the mind become free from its extrovertedness and become focused upon the self. How do I do that? Let follow this life of values, follow life of karma yoga. So thus when this process is very clear to us, then our commitment also remains very firm and we do not get distracted because the chance of distractions are always there. So tattva jnana sadarshanam, keeping in view the artha, the prayojanam, the purpose that is served by this knowledge. How important this knowledge is to myself. It is the most important. As you said, the most important thing to me is my own self. The most important thing is, of course, the freedom. The most important thing is my happiness. Most important thing is, therefore, myself. That's how the knowledge becomes most important. And that is how the values also become valuable. And thus, discovering a value of values. This is all these values are called knowledge and the opposite is called ignorance. As we discussed, so even following the value itself is also following the knowledge. And the opposite of that, namely, the pride or pretentiousness, violence, all of this is called ignorance. <coughs> Lord Krishna in fact calls his values knowledge because they are the means of knowledge. 
And thus in these five verses, Lord Krishna prescribes here this group of twenty virtues, which when followed, it brings about a purification of mind, and when, when we gain those virtues, we become qualified for the knowledge. And so for gaining qualification of knowledge, these virtues become absolutely necessary. Vedanta always emphasizes. Sri Viveka Chudamani, he will always emphasize that sadhana chatushke sampatti, that preparedness must be there. And this is equivalent to that. So this is even more elaborate and very beautifully stated here. That these values when they are there, I'm prepared, I get prepared for the knowledge and therefore I must alertly, vigilantly and with commitment work for the values. As Swamiji says, this emotional maturity does not take place by itself. It has to be consciously initiated. So practicing this value is a process of emotional maturity and I have to know the value of the values and I must put it into practice and that's how I must initiate the process. As Lord Krishna says, Uddhare Atmana Atmanam May you help yourself by yourself. May you lift yourself up by your own self. And that's the process of lifting myself by myself. <coughs> okay. Om Purnamadapuramidam Purnat Purnamudachade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vavirayanam Sutra Bhashakrutavande Bhagavantavunakunaha Ishvara Gururatmeji Murti Bheja Vibhavine Yoma Vajyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurtaye Namaha <coughs>